0: Hi, and welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. This week, we have a very special guest for our season finale of this podcast. It's Jaden from Red Dot Repair, and you guys know the deal. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Awesome. Welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. Um, how are you doing today? Um, I'm all right. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I feel like a lot of people who think about like repairing cameras and everything have a misconception about like how old or what uh, people who repair cameras are. Um, At what age did you realize that you wanted to pursue like camera repairs as a career? And if you could touch on like how old you are um, so that the audience uh, can know that aspect of uh, red dot repair.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm, I'm 21 years old, so I'm fairly young um i had started fixing cameras um back in high school uh, i kind of been I, I mean most of my life I've, I've been really um just kind of mechanically inclined i i mean like when i was a little kid i would just pull apart you know like my parents remote for their tv or something and put it back together and sometimes i get it back together completely and sometimes I wouldn't and, you get know, you me in trouble sometimes, but, um, so, I mean, I've, I've always been kind of interested in, in, uh, just pulling things apart since I was young. Um, but when I got into photography and, and into cameras in high school, um, I definitely realized that I wanted to pursue a career in that field. Um, and then like, think around, like, 16, 17 uh, started fixing cameras a lot more and actually selling them uh, at like Blue Moon Cameron Machine um, kind of a store in Portland um, and I for the longest time I was trying to kind of get my foot in the door with them uh, to work with their, their repair tech um, but and I got shot down every time I did but you know I, I'd definitely say around like sixteen, seventeens is when I decided that i i kind of wanted to to repair cameras for a living if i could but um it, it was a, it's definitely a tricky uh a tricky career to get into for sure
0: yeah uh, i think a lot of people don't know this but you also work at a camera shop as well as well as run red dot repair uh what was mm-hmm. the inspiration behind wanting to start your own business and what have been some of the hardest moments as well as the most rewarding moments of this process that you're on with starting your own business
1: yeah so the whole thing with uh me and, and the current shop that i'm working for um is i i had originally like me and the owner we used to work together at another shop that was just actually just like down the road um and like kind of around like the that first uh major lockdown last year um he got laid off and then I actually ended up getting put in the same position he was in uh, managing the store. So, um, he, when, what, while he was gone, he was going and starting up his own business. And, um, I was really not uh, too happy about being the general manager of the store because I, I was away from my bench. So I started working a lot more from home, um, and started up red dot. Um, really, after the whole M nine sensor thing, just because I had to kind of come up with you know a business, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've I've always wanted to just kind of be my own boss and, and you know be the the person that be the only person they answer to, just because I I found like a lot of these um, a lot of the kind of owners of camera stores are, they're kind of they're they're very interesting people nonetheless. Um, that I'll, I'll go as far as to say that um, they can be very difficult to work with. I mean, obviously, you have people that um, to a degree like to self-isolate. You know, you, you, they, they like kind of working in their little um, workbench away from everything. So as you can imagine, like social interactions could be kind of uh, awkward to say the, to say the least.
0: Um, when it comes to like working and everything, when you do like repairs and stuff, uh, for red dot um what's your like process for that like do you when you get the camera in the mail how what's the next steps for that camera to getting to the bench and then sent back to the owner
1: well um i mean it's it's fairly straightforward just the camera shows up the door um i just check it out make sure everything's okay um and then uh if you know usually they'll have a note with them which is good because then, um, you know, I can kind of triage the camera and see exactly what, you know, roughly what needs to be done. Um, And then I can do this a quick little checkout, see if I see anything obvious, and then just kind of write that down. I have these like little um, plastic containers that I kind of got inspired by a lot of uh, Japanese camera shops where um, especially I think it's like Kanto. Uh, Kanto does it. Don't quote me on that though. Um, but they have these like cool little like hermetically sealed um, like locking tote containers that just perfectly fit um, an M series camera. And I'm like, that is so cool. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I, I can't really find uh, a ton of those, but like Target has these cool little like tubs that I I'll put cameras in and I'll just like write down all the customer's info um just on the outside of the container that way it's just like everything is just kind of there helps kind of streamline the process but um yeah but i mean basically once it's logged in and i have all my notes written down for it um it goes on the line and awaits repair
0: um i don't know if you follow uh brooklyn film camera but they like repair xx 70s and other polaroid cameras but they uh, got a camera once where they had a bunch of like rat shit and all that stuff inside the <laughs> SX-70. Have you ever had like a camera come in and it's just like the dirtiest thing you've ever seen?
1: Yes. Um, and I, I, I do follow Brooklyn, Brooklyn film camera. Um, I actually used to fix SX-70s myself. That's kind of, that was one of the first cameras I ever repaired. Um, So the SX-70 is is very near and dear to me. Um, But I have had a lot of messy cameras. Um, I mean, I've had had cameras that, I mean, were just like full-on water damaged and just rusted. Um, Not so much nasty as it is just difficult to work with, but um, I do recall seeing quite possibly the biggest mosquito I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking like jurassic park like just huge um but it was inside a knicker mat um and i i was just thinking to myself like how did a bug this big work its way into this camera um yeah that's that's definitely like one of the nastier things i've seen in camera um aside from like maybe just like the 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 collection of like you know dead skin and all that stuff that kind of ends up in like um in like the neural knobs and stuff. Like it's um actually like detailing a camera is is disgusting because you don't realize how much of your finger you're leaving behind in each of the controls.
0: Like that's a normal thing that you like always happens whenever you repair cameras like finding all that in there.
1: Yeah. Every single camera I work on um, I will Go through and scrub out, you know, all the controls. Um, just because, I mean, I I I'm pretty particular about that. So, you know, I'll I'll go and scrub out all the neural knobs on a on a Leica, and you know, those things are very very good at collecting your skin. Um, so, it, and and if the camera hasn't been serviced in a while and it's got you know, forty years worth of just built up dead skin in there um it's (laughs) it's pretty nasty um because you you'll just watch um as you're like scrubbing with Windex it'll just slowly turn from blue into this like grayish black paste and yeah really really works up an appetite there
0: how do you like prepare yourself for that like is it just from years and years of like doing it and you're just like you expect to see it when you like start repairing a camera
1: yeah I mean you know, I I I think of it like the people that you know they work on cars and stuff. I mean, there's there's some people that have really nasty cars. You know, I'm sure way more nasty than any camera that I've worked on. You know, um, and I mean they they do that every day. Uh, so I I think I could handle a little bit of a little bit of dead skin and whatever other stuff that's in these
0: cameras. Other than like a mosquito and like dead skin and dust and everything have you ever found anything else like out of the ordinary inside of a camera
1: um I've uh I mean nothing too weird I've I've definitely found like this other little like critters that have worked their way in um but sometimes I will like I'll find like hair like I'll just find like hairs in the camera that have been left in by previous technicians (laughs) um I just, I mean, it's not so much unsanitary as it is kind of just, um, you know, irresponsible. But, yeah, because yeah, um, I'm I'm a bit critical when I when I go into some cameras.
0: Do you wear like a hairnet or something?
1: Um, no, not really. Like for the most part, I, I I'm just vigilant. I I make sure that nothing works its way into the camera. Um, if I can if I can limit the amount of uh dust that is inside the camera. I'll do that. Um, I, I honestly, I think I sometimes I spend a little too much time, um, trying to, you know, remove the dust out of like the, the film chamber, for instance, cause it's, it's kind of a useless thing to do. It's, you know, it's going to just suck up a bunch of dust the next time the, you know, the first time that the customer opens the bottom of the camera. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I like it to be like when you get your camera back, it's like you're getting a whole new camera, you know? So and that means no dust or debris or anything
0: like that. I can definitely contest to that. I've had two cameras go through Red Dot Repair, and I got them back, and they're like brand new. And it's uh, you're definitely very keen on detail when it comes to those things.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, people pay good money for repairs. I, I think that they should they should be getting something from that, you know, um, not just on the inside of the camera, but definitely the outside. So it should always it should always leave your bench in better condition than showed up
0: i feel like in the like day and age of like youtube and everything a lot of people just feel like you can get answers right away and just have like the information you need to like repair something right at your fingertips basically um how many hours of training before you actually felt comfortable to like doing repairs completely on your own
1: uh well that's that's an interesting one uh because like I mean, different cameras require different skill sets. Uh, like somebody that repairs Pentax for a living, you know, isn't very likely to crack open. Like, um, I mean, and that's and that's nothing against against them. I I used to be a Pentax tech. I started out as a Pentax tech. I like when I started my apprenticeship, it was strictly to replace an old um, an old Pentax factory supervisor and um so you know I had to learn all that stuff but I just it I just wasn't really uh, my heart really just wasn't in that so um yeah but uh but in terms of like how much training I had before I kind of felt comfortable to go in on my own uh I'd say like after about a after about a year of just fixing the same camera <laughs> over and over again uh, because I mean they were having me like repairing um, a ton of SLRs. It was just SLR after SLR. Um, but of course, you know, they were, they were definitely in their right mind, um, not having me go straight for the, for the Leicas or the Hasselblads, you know? So I, I, and I, and I think that after about a year, I, I definitely built up that confidence of like, okay, I can, I can, I can start getting into something a little more complicated. Um, and yeah, like, I eventually just kind of dove headfirst into my M two. I'm I know I, I did a ton of things wrong in it. Uh but it worked a little bit better than when I bought it. So I did some things right. But then around like the time I got my M four, that's when I feel like I really started to kind of um be a little more brave with what I did and started kind of going a lot a lot deeper into the whole mechanism and as well as the optics.
0: Um you've mentioned your apprenticeship and, uh, I, would you be okay with touching on where did you learn how to repair cameras and like, who'd you learn from?
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't like the, the shop that I used to work for was, uh, advanced camera. Um, and I mean, they've been around for the longest time. They're a pretty, they're kind of one of the first people to pop up when you look up camera repair. Um, and you know it, and it was like working working there was a was just an experience in as of itself um everybody there was just a lot of i mean there's definitely like ups and downs with any workplace obviously um but there i felt like everybody was was fairly close um but my um the the guy that taught me his name was Paul he used to work um at the Honeywell Pentax factory as as the supervisor of um, their kind of little repair division and he you know when when he retired from Pentax he took with him a ton of you know tools and equipment and and parts so I mean advance like that place just has enough parts to rebuild you know whatever pentax camera you want I mean to a degree but um, and they you know, for most repairs, they, they, they're using um, sometimes like used parts, which, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, actually, the used parts tend to work a little bit better simply because they've already kind of been matched to the camera. Um, sometimes with the newer parts, you have to kind of file them down or rework them a bit to make them work right. Um, but yeah, I mean, between the, u- the new and used parts, it, it's just endless. Uh, but as for my apprenticeship, uh, It was, it wasn't what I was expecting when I, when they asked me if I wanted to be an apprentice, um, just because it was, for I think like the first like two, three months, I was just cleaning sensors. I did not turn a single screw in that place except for my interview. Um, the interview was interesting because it was more, um, it was more like me and them talking for like maybe five minutes and then. The rest of it was, like, a full day of me working at a workbench because um, they were just, like, like okay, like, here's, here's the interview. Um, CLA this camera. And they handed me an OM-1, and I was, like, petrified because, you know, when they asked me about, like, what I was familiar with, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've worked on some Pentax stuff, worked on Polaroids, um, you know, and, and uh, AE-1s or whatever, but I've never worked on an OM-1. So when, when they put that in front of me and I was thinking like, okay, this is what's going to, you know, decide whether or not I get this job. Um, I, I was just like, like, damn, I, I, uh, this is, this is going to be a tough one, but they were actually, they, they weren't expecting me to do the complete CLA let alone do it correctly right off the bat. Um, what they were testing me for was to see how I, how I handled each situation as well as how I handled tools because um, a lot of, a lot of camera repair in general is, um, I mean, not only is it just retaining information, I mean, to a degree, you know, you can always look back at the information um, as, so long as you have the manuals or you write it down or something. But um, another like key thing that they told me right off the bat is like finesse. Like you need to just, you know, you need to be a, a kind of, thinking outside the box for certain issues you need to look at it differently and um and you also just you have to be good with your hands you have to kind of maneuver and dance around the camera um to work on a little more some of the more delicate things um in the om1 is a very uh very good example of that because there's a few key things in the om1 that if you don't um if you kind of just go at it and pull on things or, you know, you're not paying attention, uh, you'll end up losing the timing on on something or and then you'll have to, like, disassemble the entire shutter assembly or um, with, like, the mirror cage, for instance, so where you're pulling the mirror cage, there's, like, a, this, this tiny little string <laughs> that uh, controls the meter because it's a semi-mechanical meter and if you break that meter or the, the string, then you do break the meter but then you have to like run this like this really fine thread through the entire mirror cage and just coil it up and then also make sure that it's timed properly because if it's not then the meter is not going to register right so it's uh, a lot of interesting stuff
0: with that um i think time is definitely not helping with uh people who repair analog cameras. And it's very um, rewarding and um, prideful that we are seeing people like your age that are starting to repair these old cameras. Uh, For someone who is maybe 14, 15 years old, any advice for someone who would like to learn how to repair cameras? Like, where do they start? Um, Who can they get in contact with? And um, so people who get up in the age of where they can't do the repairs anymore we still have people who are able to repair where what advice can you give to people who would like to go down this road of repairing cameras
1: you know um i've i've been asked that so many times and i can never really get a good answer and i wish i could just because it's like there there isn't really like a very defined there's there's not like just you know, some person that you can go to to get in contact with some shop looking for a new tech, um, but it, it's just um, it's very tricky. And uh, like I had a really hard time getting my door or getting my foot in the door, <laughs> Getting my door in the foot. Um, like it, it was, uh, I mean, for for the longest time, I mean, I, I was I was trying to, I was constantly applying it at Blue Moon for for the longest time, and they wanted nothing to do with me. Um, just because of my age, you know, they they had had bad luck with younger people in the past, and you know, they didn't want to they didn't want to risk putting the the money and resources into training um, a, a younger person that may potentially end up going to college or something, you know. So it, it's it it is very tricky, and and me getting into advance was just luck. I I happened to. Like I, I quit my my current job literally two days before. And me being the irresponsible uh eighteen year old, I used the last the last check um from McMinnimans to uh buy an Nikon F one hundred, which I I mean the camera itself I was just I was a bit disappointed with, but um the outcome of that whole thing was probably the most rewarding money i've ever wasted <laughs> if you get what i'm saying um because like i the, the whole thing that like sparked me getting my apprenticeship there was i bought a broken f100 i got scammed on craigslist and it was a camera that like okay i knew my limits There i was there's no way i was pulling this thing apart and even then i don't have the i don't have the parts for it so I'd called around to different shops and different places to see like who would fix an F-100, who would replace the one gear and advance was the only place that could do it. And, um, my, uh, one of my coworkers are now like the current owner of PX camera. Um, he kind of, you know, sold me on it. He was like, Oh yeah, the F-100 is like one of the best cameras, my favorite camera, this and that. I mean, I beg to differ now, but, um, but yeah, I, I went in there brought in my camera and I spoke to, um, a now a good friend of mine and, uh, he like, it was, yeah, good friend of mine uh, Gabe. He was, uh, he, he used to work there for a bit, but ended up leaving just about a year before I did. Um, but as I was kind of dropping off my camera for the repair, just getting everything logged in, I was just kind of, uh, just talking with him and mentioned that I had, you know, was dabbling in a little bit of repair myself, and he asked me. He's like, "Well, you want to do it for a living?" I was like, "Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that, but I've kind of given up on that idea just because it's, you know, I haven't been able to find anybody that would train me." And he's like, "Well, you know, I mean, we're looking. We're always looking for a technician, this and that." And so I, I was like, "Well, you know, can I drop off an application?" He's like, "Yes, like, please bring back an application." So I show up next day. Application in hand, and right there, they're like, Okay, cool, let's do an interview. Um, and it was just a quick little like five minute chit chat. Um, they looked at my resume and then they're like, All right, well, show up next week for the final interview. And that was that was a little thing. So, I mean, like me getting into it was just totally luck of the draw. Um, that's my best way of explaining that because I mean, you never know. There I mean some you don't know if the if the shop that you walk into is just gonna, you know, bring you in right there or if they're gonna tell you to pound sand. Um, I as for like resources though, I've heard that um, Chuck at SPT, uh, Society of Photographical Tech or I think it's it's either technicians or technologists. I can't remember. Um, but it's just SPT. Uh, supposedly he has like this course that you can take on on camera repair I, I i don't i don't know off the top of my head like what it costs or what it really goes over i but from what i've heard it's it's a fairly just basic um introductory introductory in um, the camera repair so kind of just you know gets your feet in the water but um yeah so i mean that's in in terms of like like an actual kind of institution. Um, SPT is really the closest thing. I know that National Camera, um, that was actually like a, a, a legit school that you could go to, um, but they went out of business in 2015. So, which is, I mean, really poor timing if you ask me, because I feel like now, you know, if, if, if they would have stuck it out for like a year or two, would <laughs> they, they'd be making bank yeah Um, and honestly like i i feel like i i feel like if if there were more um technicians out there that film could potentially like choke out digital to a degree
0: Um, like like take away sales or like yeah like...
1: like it would it would totally like because people were people were beginning to realize that like okay my film camera is 50 something years old and is still worth this much money and it's still worth getting repaired. Whereas, you know, my um, original 5D, you know, that was bought like what, 2007 or whatever, whenever, whenever they came out, that's worth like maybe a couple hundred bucks. And yeah. most repair shops will turn their nose up to it because it's like, you know, on top of it, it's not worth your money and it's not worth their time. Um, but the film cameras, man, they, they, they hold their value so much better. Um, and it could be that it's just because there's a finite amount of them, or it could be the fact that the people that work on them tend to take a little bit more pride in them. Um, it's really hard to say, but I mean, kind of touching on the digital camera repair, it is a dead end. Like just, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I am like, I, I, it's, it's just, it's terrible because you have, um, I mean, not only is just, digital stuff just such a pain to work with um and also like the factories they're such a pain to work with but certain manufacturers won't sell or provide parts um because they don't want you repairing them so and it's strictly just for the the purpose of monopolizing that market um nikon is a really good example of that um they will produce just these i mean I'm sure I'm going to upset some people, but um, I hate Nikon's. I just flat out, I everything about the the cameras they produce to the way that they handle their repairs. I I just I can't stand them, um, because like they they put out these just very fragile cameras and then make them unrepairable, and um, it's really unfortunate to see because. You know, um, a lot of people don't know about it until it's too late, and then you know they're out a thousand dollars or so for their camera, and then plus another you know eight hundred bucks for whatever repair that they have to get from Nikon. Um, so it's uh yeah the the digital stuff is just it's not really there's it's not worth it. Yeah. And even you know digital Leicas, it's it's tricky.
0: Yeah, I've I've owned a digital camera. Uh, I owned a Canon T six, and I tried it out maybe for like six, seven months, and then I I always was drawn back to like film, and it's definitely like I see where you're coming from. If there was more people out there who would repair these cameras, and maybe like get a company or two to maybe produce a newer one, like like I think Leica announced that they're coming out with a film camera. If I'm yeah,
1: I I heard about that. Um should be interesting i think
0: yeah it's definitely well like i know there's a lot of like um a lot of people are starting to get into it again and that's drawing up prices and also it's an investment now like you could spend like uh you four years ago five years ago you could have bought a yashica t4 for like a hundred dollars or something <laughs> and yeah. now you could sell it for 600 same with like the Roly 35 if i i got it for like a hundred and fifty dollars right you could sell it now for 250 it's it's like an investment opportunity yeah, I mean, that's
1: safe if not more rollies were i mean i remember for a while like rollies were pushing like five to six hundred bucks um it's crazy well if I, you get it like picks,
0: really a oh i love i love my Roly. it's like my favorite it the only thing that's ever gonna draw me away from getting a Roly is buying a leica but like the leica price tag is also making me love the Roly more so yeah that's also, yeah. Leicas are just really, really expensive. Yeah, but
1: it, I mean, the Rollies, it's still like unmatched quality, but Leicas, man, there is like, I, I, I know that everybody this is like I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record. Um, everybody say says this, but there is something so different about Leicas. Um, I mean, it's like especially when you open one up and you see just the craftsmanship and how precisely tuned these cameras are um it really gives you an appreciation for it
0: um you actually repaired matt day's camera and he mentioned you on a completely uh, he mentioned you on a uh, episode of where he talked about how he got his camera repaired with you how many orders did you receive the day after that came out
1: (laughs) um i'm gonna be completely real with you man i lost track um i i think i like within um because it, it was it was actually really funny when that video came out because he didn't he he just asked me like a couple weeks before he made that video he's like hey you know is it cool if i make a video about this and i'm like like dude yeah <laughs> like i yeah you don't even have to ask me like i was i was a pretty pretty big Bat day fan um like i've been subscribed to him since like i was in high school Like i was he was like one of the main uh youtubers that i watched like next to negative feedback i even still have my my original copy of the negative feedback uh zine that they did i wish that they'd still do that um because i I thought it was really fun like i I miss the uh those old those old zines um but like I, i mean matt day essentially taught me how to how to develop film like that, like, his, his original, like, how to develop film video is how I got into it. So, um, being able to, like, fix his M6 was a, a, a real trip to me. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, I remember I was just kind of, like, out and about, um, hanging out with my, one of my buddies, and, like, just all of a sudden, like, my phone just starts blowing up. <laughs> like, like it, just, it just will not stop going off. And, um, I was like, what the hell is going on? And then like, I just kind of look and then I get a, I get a couple texts from people and they're like, dude, congrats on, on, on the video. and Like, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they sent me the link. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like I, I, I remember like spending like the next week after that, um, just trying to keep up with the messages and, I I swear, like I would, I would probably wake up to at least like a hundred messages a day, and and it would just you know, every, for every for every message you answered, you would get like three more afterwards. So, um, yeah, it was just it was insane to say the least. Um, but I mean, in terms of orders, I definitely got like, I definitely say like I think I like within the first couple months, I got like probably like a hundred cameras. Um, which I mean in in terms of like in the grand scheme of things like repair wise that is that's a that's a lot Um, I remember like the um, at at advance like I think in total we maybe had like two to three hundred cameras divided up between four technicians so um, as you can imagine like one one technician taking on all that is just insane um yeah. but you know i i've been i've been doing my best to keep up with it uh it's it's just kind of like i said it, it, it the whole like you know temporary closure of red dot i really didn't want that i, I didn't want that to happen at all uh but it's just kind of how things played out um so
0: would you ever bring on another t- uh technician to maybe help out with things or are you you liking? know i I've,
1: I've thought about it. Um, I uh, like like my uh, buddy Gabe he uh, you know he was asking me if I ever needed any help with anything because he 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 does not want to touch a Leica. he's he's not he's not big on that (laughs) Uh, but he's he's really good with lenses and he's about about as obsessive as I am when it comes to like smoothing out uh, the helicals so you know I could definitely trust him with with some of the The more primo, like a gear, I just I just don't know if he wants to, if he wants you know that that liability because that's the big thing for a lot of uh, technicians um, and why they don't want to get into Leicas is just um, the the price tag with them. You know, you screw up, you are on you're on the hook. Um, And I mean, like a good example would be uh, an M9P that I worked on. Uh, the guy sent it in he wanted to get the sensor converted and um, I'm always trying to do just these crazy like next level repairs just because I, I always want to be able to offer more stuff I want to kind of just push the envelope you know um, and I I had started out with the original um, the original M9 sensors and I was you know it's was replacing there's was repairing those but the M9P and the M9 Monochrome have a totally different sensor. So um, I was trying to remove the glass and it like ended up breaking while I was removing it and just fell right onto the bare sensor and ruined it. So I had to buy a, a new M9P after the prices had just skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't really thank anybody for that besides myself and Calori Vision because... Um, yeah we were the we were the we were the guys that were repairing the m9s but i've the m9 repairs have kind of slowed down for me um people like the like a crowd has definitely favored kalari which um to a degree i don't really mind so much um the m9 repair is a pain to do so you know kind of is what it is
0: well, when it comes with more customers and more orders coming in, there's gonna be your fair share of rude customers. How do you deal with those kinds of situations and how do you communicate with people
1: um i mean i I don't like being uh i don't like being rude to customers i you know i even even when you know they are just being extremely unreasonable or anything like that you know I just kind of say okay, you know, this or that. Typically though, if I if I can tell it they're going to be trouble, I'll kind of try and like persuade them to not pursue repairs through me, you know, just because it, it's like when you like and and, and this sounds like kind of wrong, but like when there is when there's a hundred other people that are waiting patiently, you know, and have their cameras in and are respectful, um I don't I don't need business from somebody that i don't feel deserves it you know i mean not to say that i should ultimately decide who deserves it who doesn't but you know i mean when you're just blatantly rude i I don't want to work with you and i mean i think any any sane person can agree with that um because i mean it it is you know it's a very high stress job i am i'm working on thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment and if anything happens you know i'm completely liable for that so um yeah it does get a bit stressful and having to deal with somebody that is um you know kind of harassing me about something or just you know rude or uh, i think um i think one of the most the one thing that like drives me crazy um is when people will ask me if i can do a repair and then i'll say yeah yeah i can do that but then they'll proceed to explain how to do the repair to me um and i'm I'm like actually no it's like it's done this way and they're like no this forum says it's done that way and i'm I'm just you know i'm kind of like okay well then if you know how to do it then why don't you do it yourself yeah (laughs) you know like I, i i i just yeah, I'm uh, like, why? Why did you, you know, if if you're the expert, why did you come out to me, you know? So it's just it's kind of stuff like that that I just I find like kind of annoying and um and it's like you know I, I just it it takes away it takes away from like other people that you know actually need my help because um, I I mean that that's that's the one thing is I I like that you know I mean. My whole business is based off of other people's misfortune, but um, <laughs> but like you know it, it's it's definitely you know when people are kind of down on their luck or you know it's it's nice to be able to help them out um, especially when you know they're you know they're very cool about it like I, i've I've met a lot of really cool people recently just because of this um, you know and that's it's super rewarding but another cool thing though is like other people that will, you know, they'll get like a brand new, they'll get a, a new to them Leica, and the first thing they want to do is get it CLA'd, and now you're part, you're part of the buying process, you're part of this kind of ritualistic Leica ownership, Um, which to a degree, it's, it's cool to be part of that, you know, like, but yeah, the Leica ownership is very much a cult, well, in like, case you're wondering.
0: Yeah, that, I've always, uh I feel like when you own a Leica, you're part of like a Echelons of uh, certain people, but um, that's how I was when I got my Roly and the Pentax. I've never actually done a CLA before, so basically, like how what happened with me is when I first got the Roly and the Pentax. I've never done a CLA before, and Matt Day did the video, and I was like, you know what? Let me just hit you up and see if you can do that. And you, the Pentax was awesome. I love it, and even the Roly, you were it was so it was different because when you ever you reach out to someone and you want to do a repair they're just like yeah this is what it is this and this you were really excited you were like yeah send it in I love working on those things and it was just a completely different feeling you you uh treat your customers like family when it comes to that aspect
1: yeah and you know I I, I mean to a degree it's yeah I mean we're kind of this little like a cult family thing so um it's I definitely feel like you know the the kind of key to having a good like customer base is just be yourself, be transparent, be nice you know i i I see like so many different shops you know they're it's just this this bitter cold interaction and I, i'm like i I don't like this you know yeah so um i i I make the experience that I wish I could be experiencing um yeah you know um because it's it's definitely uh especially nowadays you know it's it's hard to come across a friendly face so
0: speaking of like us and um a cult following i feel like this question is going to probably upset some people for sure uh where's Leica to own long term and why we're talking analog like us.
1: oof okay um <laughs> yeah i i was definitely um dreading this question but uh i mean anybody that's like seen my live streams has definitely heard me uh talk a lot of crap on the m6 and i mean okay so i'll just start off by saying that there is no such thing as a bad like okay um there's just yeah there's no such thing as bad like but if i had to say like the worst long-term Leica to own it would I mean like long-term long-term I'd say the M7 for sure um, but I feel like the M7 is kind of its own little its own little thing that people just kind of put in the corner um, the M7 is really it's rarely brought up when it comes to Leicas, but people still tend to buy them um, mostly for the convenience of it but the thing is, is that the M7s um, they are very much like a macbook in the sense that you know it's just things are just soldered in and um, there's it's it's, a, it's very tricky to repair them uh, and there's really not much i can do because i'm lacking the software to actually you know program these cameras because uh the thing that people kind of overlook uh or the, i mean they don't really know about them is with like the MP the m6 TTL the m7s um, all the electronics in those cameras are set at the factory and if you know you disassemble one of them you'll see a small little port that you can plug into and that's how you um, that's how you like set the meter on the MPs and the m6 um, or the uh, m7 for instance you set the the shutter speeds and everything I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot going on in there. So I can't, like, if, if you fry the board on your M7, I can't do anything for you. You have to send it to Leica. Um, and Leica has said that they, planned, they only plan to support the M7s up until 2030. So you have this decade and that's it. You know, once, once it's up, it's up. And you are completely at the mercy of the camera. Um, the M6 TTL, I mean that's that's kind of the same thing. I mean they, you know, you can't if your meter circuit goes out on that guy, you're done. Um, there's there is no replacing that anymore. I just spoke with a customer recently, and he wanted to get his he just wanted the the red dot on his camera repainted, um, but he was telling me, I mean, supposedly he got the the last M6 TTL meter circuit um, in circulation, so or at least at Leica. Um but you know, usually if they're out, then everybody's out. So, yeah, I mean, like there's really not much that you could do for the M6 TTL meters if anything happens. Um, the MPs, on the other hand, they still have support. I mean, they're still making the MPs, so you know, I could definitely see that lasting a while, but I'm kind of a bit wary on the MPs just because um, of that proprietary meter circuit. So uh, but I I personally own an MP and it you know it's a it's an awesome camera don't get me wrong but there's just a few things about it that I'm just kind of like you know I wouldn't have to worry about this with an M4 or an M5 for that matter um so yeah however the M6 classic um that is still very much repairable it's actually probably the most repairable um the most repairable meter Leica there is because you can actually buy a brand new meter circuit from Leica it's like 200 bucks um it's a pain to install but hey you know you have the option so but i mean the classic M6 has its own issues altogether that i mean i'll just come out and say it the M6 is a cheap camera or cheaply built camera <laughs> um it does not hold up to the M4s or the M5s so I mean, just throwing that out there. Like people say that the M six is like the best, the best Leica, but in like from a technician's perspective, it's terrible. Just, I mean, the use of brittle steel gears. That granted, yes, they're going to be stronger than the brass gears, but they're not going to be as smooth. And um, because it's hardened steel, it can actually just snap. Um, The like, it's just, it's just. just a, such a a contrast between like you look at the, the M4s and and the M6 and it's just totally different on the inside. Um you can tell that like the M4 was just this nice handcrafted everything was made to fit, you know, and it all just it's buttery. Um but then you get into an M6 and you're just like okay, um all of it's just die-cast parts that are slapped together. Um which granted, I mean, M sixes still feel great, like as a Leica. Um, you know, you can't go wrong with any of them, but I don't feel like the M6 really deserves the just the kind of cult status that it has. And the same could be said for so many other cameras though, you know, like the contacts, point shoots, um, like, you know, um, it's like, man, you're you're paying a thousand dollars for a little electronic brick that, at any point, just from looking at it wrong, it will decide, I don't want to work anymore, and you're completely screwed. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, I mean, granted, like maybe you could send it to like, uh, I think it's like Nippon Camera Repair in New York. Um, and they might be able to help you out. But I mean, for the most part, though, you're you're really out of options. Same for like the Nikon 35Ti's. I, I love the design of the Nikon 35Ti as much as I don't like Nikon as a company. That Seiko like analog dial on the top is just, it's, it's gorgeous. I love it. But um, I had one of those for a little bit. And like the first roll that I put through it, the thing almost caught on fire. Like it just it it stopped working, it started throwing error messages, and like the camera got like physically hot. And yeah, so I I was I was like, okay, well I'm not getting one of those again. Um, the Leica Minilux is actually a pretty solid point and shoot. Um, you can you can get those repaired um, either by some re- some Ukrainian dude on eBay or um, or Red Dot. So if I have options there, yeah, I mean, the point point shoots, man, it's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't get why, why they're so, I mean, they're, they're very flashy and glamorous, you know, celebrities use them and all that. But what do I mean? Like from a, from a practical standpoint, they're awful. <laughs> so they burst a bunch of people's bubbles or anything, but yeah, it's just as a, somebody that fixes these things for a living and gets all these questions and these horror stories. It's like, I, I hate to see people go down the same road.
0: I want to thank you so much for the time, uh, for taking out the time and coming onto the show. I really appreciate it yeah sure thing hey guys if you guys need any work done with any of your analog or digital cameras hit up Jaden. all that information is going to be in the description of this episode i want to thank you guys for listening all throughout the season and all the great support and all the artists that came on to the show means the world to me uh if you guys want to hit go over to instagram follow me at joey underscore value that is j-o-e-y underscore b-a-l-l-i shoot me a message and if you guys want any of the updates on the following for next season, all that information is going to be on the Instagram. Thank you guys for listening and stay safe out there.